Okay, welcome to another Real USA podcast. It's Alan here. I've got Zach in North Carolina. Good morning to you, sir. Good morning. And Robin, I guess in, uh, in England, I guess it's, um, I guess it's uh, early afternoon, mid-afternoon, tea time, something like that. <laughs> a long, stressful day. No, I'm joking. It's, uh, yeah, it's three o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah. Uh, ready for food. <laughs> there you go. So um, I thought we'd start, I, I, obviously we want to talk about the Europa League um, final for the most part, but I thought we'd start briefly just sort of um, looking at the league form the last couple of weeks or last couple of matches for us, um, kind of where we are in the league. We've got Madrid coming up on Saturday now, um, but it seems like the the die is pretty much cast in the league. Wouldn't you say, Zach, you think we're pretty much finishing seventh? Yeah, I mean, our, our biggest competition has... Um, has a- a lot weaker competition this week than we do, um, and it's one of those things where, given the fact that we have a final a few days later, I actually wouldn't be surprised if um, Emory tossed out a, a heavily rotated side. I mean, I guess it's possible Celta could, could do something against Bentes, but they would have to do that, and we'd have to beat a Madrid side that is desperate for a win, so they can hopefully win, I mean, from, their, from their perspective, hopefully win a title. So, I just... I think I would rather make sure nobody gets hurt and focus on the Europa League. Yeah, Robin, what's your thought? Yeah, completely agree. And to be honest, I'm quite. What would be quite nice, I suppose, for I suppose our second squad, or if he plays these sort of younger players, that it'd be really nice for them. Just a really big challenge, and it's also something that really means something to us as VRL. So if we win it, that'd be absolutely brilliant for the confidence of those, I suppose, second team players or younger players. So I'm, I'm quite. I, I I quite I mean I don't I'd love to win the game and absolutely all right absolutely everything into it because that'd be great to feed into sort of the Europa League final but at the same time I think the Europa League should be our our priority and I also think that you know it'd be great to see some of those young stars just really absolutely torment Madrid I mean can you imagine how good for confidence that would be if they managed it yeah. or even a draw or something like that so. Yeah, I completely agree. I think that's how we will go about it. I think the situation that we find ourselves in we. We've only got ourselves to blame, really. Like I know there was a lot of controversy with VAR decisions and that sort of stuff over the season, especially in the Celta game. But at the end of it all, we've also had quite a few VAR decisions where it has looked like, you know, we were on the lucky side of it, to be fair. And some of those earlier games, I think we said in the comments section this week, that you look at some of those draws and we should have won them. Mm-hmm. Now, even with the quality of players that we had and injuries and stuff some of them it was just ridiculous that we didn't win them and the, I think it was Hueska game where we drew was just really stuck in my memory as just appalling um but yeah so that's kind of my thoughts now how did you feel Alan last few games and stuff how, <laughs> well of course it was it was very I think in some ways I felt uh, yeah I mean things the the Celta match was was tr- totally bizarre I mean I think people are yeah, yeah people look back at the at that match, and I think especially the one I look back at, it was the Danny Raba goal being waved off at the end of the Betis match, um, because that was made a difference of four points against the team that's right above us in the table. So, <coughs> but I agree with you that in some ways um, things do even out over the course of the season, and the biggest the biggest problem was just there there was a stretch in in the 
middle of the season there where we were getting a lot of draws and it just didn't look like things were coming together um, that that quickly. And teams we should have beaten that we that we sort of I would say on balance we often looked you know we looked the better side most of the time, but we didn't look as threatening as we should have. And it, and it and I think I keep thinking part of this goes down to the um, the short preseason, bringing in a new coach, bringing in some new players, and just things things took longer to gel than you wish they would. Um, and we had and we had kind of a um, that just period in the mi- in the middle where we just sort of sagged for a while. Um, I think we've played better recently. We've had a few oddities like the like the Celta refereeing, but you know I think we I think we've done much much better. Um, the Sevilla match was was really interesting because it was almost like we were. Um, it was almost like Emery was uh, like Marcelino. You know, we were we were basically letting them have the possession and then just counterattacking um, really really well. Um, and it was nice to to see that victory. I'm always um, happy when we beat Sevilla because Elisa and I went to see us play Sevilla in Villarreal, and we weren't so lucky. So it was kind of nice to get that win. I'm thinking another thing that's worth noting because we talk about the draws early in the season. When people talk about a manager like Emery that specializes in cup competitions, specifically European cup competitions, they always talk about like the ability to manage a two-legged draw. But it's it's more than that. And if you look at his teams that he's coached in the past that were successful in Europe, you see a lot of this sort of thing where they like start slow. They don't really find their footing. They're they're solid but not great early on in the season. They drop some points in the league, but they're playing their best football by the end of the year, and that's great for a cup competition. But it leads. I mean, I think he won the Europa League. He's won the Europa League one year already, where where Sevilla finished seventh in La Liga. So like, yeah, it, it's yeah. great for the cup competition. But it, in a league format like it exists in Europe, it's not really the best thing in the world. Yeah, I. I that's a good point. I think. I think that. Um, I think that clearly that's that's a that's a that's a good point that that. In the years when when he was, I mean, there were there were years at Valencia when they came in third or fourth in the league, but frankly, they did so fairly easily. I mean that that it wasn't, and that was when the league. I think the big difference in the league now compared to six or seven years ago is that the teams in the bottom third are much more competitive, and we've talked about this before that the. The, the TV money being split, I won't say fairly, but more fairly than it was, has really helped the clubs that are sort of in that bottom third or even bottom half of the competition to get to get better. Because with 15, 20 million extra euros, <coughs> now you can go out and get a, a player or two who can really help your side. And so I think that's one of the things that's helped um, the teams at the bottom and in that, and, and I wouldn't say necessarily the bottom three, I would say more those teams in the 12 to 15 range where 
seven or eight years ago, you, you, you play those teams and it's an easy victory. Now it's not. And I think that's maybe one of the things that's happened with, with Villarreal too, is that, is that when you look at those, the, those draws, a lot of them were against teams like that, that, yeah, you know, years ago, we probably would have won those matches because the disparity in talent would have been even greater. That's just my take on it. Yeah, I think that's a, it's an excellent point, you know, and I think that's especially evident around the world as well. You look at the Premier League, that's exactly the same there. So that money sort of movement has, has really helped the squads and stuff. Yeah, I, I suppose in a way that VRL are to blame for that and the fact that we, we showed that you can just take on the likes of Madrid, you can take on Barcelona, you can take on those top sides. I know that like back in 2004 five we were proper up there and stuff, but we didn't have this sort of mid-wobble where we were up and down like a yo-yo. So, But yeah, no, it certainly, certainly has had an impact on it, I think. I mean, the, the reason that Hueska game sticks out for me, it was just so mundane. It was just ridiculously boring. And I think I remember writing the match report and just talking about the weather halfway through because mm-hmm. there was just absolutely nothing to say. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, I suppose, it, you know, we do need to give Emery time. That was one of the things that he said in, uh, during his career at Arsenal. They were saying, like, um, they didn't give him enough time to really establish himself. Um, and to be fair, to his, to his credit, he has adapted. Like, he's changed it up. Like in the first half of the season, I remember, if anything, I thought he was tinkering too much. He was changing formations every week. He was trying strange, strange formations, sort of like three at the back. And he was just trying to sort of work out what exactly he wanted to do. And like you said, towards the end of the season, that's definitely improved, I think. Um, Seems to really established and the players seem to be understanding a bit more about what he kind of wants to do. Mm -hmm. So, um, Mm -hmm. yeah. Not really on the point now, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, something I'll mention that that um, will probably become a talking point if we don't beat Manchester United. Um, if we lose this match this weekend, we will end the season with fewer points than we had last season. Um, and even if we win and finish with more points, there's still a pretty good chance that we finish lower in the table. Now, we had a dozen European games that we didn't have last year that, that probably needs to be taken into consideration. But for the people that kind of felt aggrieved by Kaleha getting fired after ending the year so well last year, there might be a case if we don't win the Europa League to say, well, hey, we brought this guy in and what do we really have to show for it? Yeah, I don't know. I think I, I think people are so excited about getting to the final, frankly, that I don't think that's, I mean, that's the first time in our history we've made a European final of, of any type. So I think that's probably going to overshadow it. And I I also think that the um, the whole circumstances last year were kind of um, unique. And uh, I'm not, so I, I, I haven't, I don't think there's going to be a whole lot of that. I think, though, that there's going to be expectation that, if we um, if we finish seventh and we end up in the conference league or whatever it's called because we don't win the Europa League final, I think the expectations are going to be higher next year in terms of both league placing and in terms of we better really do well in this conference thing. So because it looks like from the way it's set up, it should be something that should you know you, you figure it's. If, if the goal in the Europa League is always to get to the past the group stage into the round of 32, this one 
um, it looks like you really ought to get to the round of eight or so before it really gets tough. So I think I think that's how I would look at it. Now, if it turns out we win the Europa League and qualify for the Champions League, you know, then then the guy is, <laughs> you know, then then there's no debate. But I, you know, I just think back. I mean. Fair play to Kaleha. I'm, I think all of us felt badly for what for how it turned out with him, um, and I'm, I think all of us are also delighted that he's done so well to keep Olives up. Although it would have been nicer if we'd beaten them um, when we played them, but I don't think that I don't think anybody's sitting around saying, "Well, Kaleha is uh, just as good a coach as Emery and would have gotten us just as far." So. Yeah, I, I think that's a, it's a, I'm really glad that we did this sort of like mini tribute there to Kayeka because he did. He has done a really good job with um, Alves, and just the fact that he's, you know, he's coming sort of towards the end of the season and sort of changed around a lot of what they've done is sort of, it, that is a tribute to him. Um, yeah, I think I'm just thinking back to sort of that period where we were drawing and sorry to over reflect on that. I think a lot of people were getting a bit upset with Emery, and I count myself among them because I haven't. I haven't really related too much to how the playing style that Emery's adapted. I hadn't really followed him before he came to VRL, if I'm honest. So um, I, I can kind of understand at midpoint when people are a bit more sceptical about Emery than they are now. Obviously, the Europa League final has really, really helped his cause a lot. Um, I mean, I can see people reflecting on the previous years, but I think even getting to the Europa League final is a pretty impressive achievement in itself. So as much as it is disappointing in the league, I think the Europa League, like you said, will probably trump it. There will be a few people and plenty of VRL fans that are, will be unhappy because, but we have to remember that Kayeka also didn't have like a consistent run of games as a manager, really. I mean, you remember that so he got sacked halfway through and then also that last season, he ended up in the middle of a pandemic. So he's probably the unluckiest manager in the world. But um, yeah, so I'm going off on a tangent again. But yeah, no, I think that's that's a very fair point, you know. And I, but I think people will say it if we don't win the final. But you know, I I don't think there's much leverage on that. Um, so that makes sense. Okay, well, let's take a brief break, and then when we come back, let's talk about what everybody wants to talk about, which is the Europa League final. So we'll be right back. Okay, so. I'm not even going to worry about the, the Madrid match too much in t- except in terms of how it might, if it plays out at all, into who we start in the in the Europa League final. But there's been a lot of debate on the site over the last week. Um, obviously, Carlos Baca scoring a hat trick against, against Sevilla. A lot of people have been talking about, you know, should he start instead of Paco up front? Um, the goalkeeper question, Emery seems to have settled on Ruli for the final, or at least he sort of dropped some strong hints that way. Um, but let's talk about the, let's talk about the, um, maybe the first thing we should talk about is sort of who, who do we think will start and then how does that match up with Man United, I guess. Um, so I don't know who wants to start with that. Um. I think that what I I love, first of all, I love the fact that we're at a place where a match with Real Madrid is an absolute afterthought. I mean, if that's not a statement on where the club has gotten itself, I don't know what is. Like, we're ending the season against Real Madrid, and, like, I know I've barely thought about it. Like, nobody cares. And and, and that's cool. Um, But 
I do think, you know, I've yet to pre- accurately predict when Emory's going to rotate and when he isn't, so I could be totally off base on this. I think you end up throwing a bunch of second-string guys out there. Um, and I, I'm thinking across the uh, the pitch, you know, like we said, he's, he's probably going to start Rui. He's I, there's no to me. There's no way he doesn't start Capoe in the in the in the final. Um, he, he's just been too good. He's just been he's been he's been too good. I think he um, starts there. Um, and I really, I really don't think in Emery's mind, based on how he's used the two of them, I don't think that Baca versus Paco is really a question for him because he's played he's relied on Paco in the in the knockout Europa League matches consistently. And I think he's going to continue to do that. Now, um, Paco hasn't even managed a shot attempt in like 150 minutes on the pitch. And so, you know, I get the uh, to some degree the concerns that people have there. But I, I really, when I look at the matches that Emre's chosen to use the two guys, and it looks to me like what he's done since Paco came back from that second injury is use them in the important games and try to keep them healthy the rest of the time. Robin? Yeah, so I'll articulate it properly because I think it's important. Because I think there's a lot of sort of several factors, and I think that sort of fed into the, the sort of comments this week about, you know, you can look at Alcacer's season overall. You can look at how Bac has played in the last three games. So I, I can't imagine trying to predict what Emery is going to do because I'm exactly like Zach I have no idea what he does in his mindset when it comes to rotation just when I'm thinking I'm trying to plan what Emery thinks he comes out with a completely strange formation that I would have never expected so I don't want to necessarily predict it if I was if I was looking at it over the last three games I would probably like to possibly start backer not necessarily just because of that severe um, match, but I think in the last three games, if I remember each player, I feel that Backer has done more for the team, and I think the way that we, I think he's just embraced into the four-four-two system that we seem to be playing recently. In the fact that when you've got two strikers like that, I think with both of them dropping back, it sort of creates a bit more space for each of them to sort of play their game. Now the problem is, I think mainly if Backer was sort of ten years younger, we'd be having a very different conversation. But him being sort of 34 year old, and he's not going to last an hour. He's not going to last probably more than 20 minutes of really doing it. But what I feel more confident with Backer is that he's actually going to register more shots on goal in that 20 minutes. Alcacer might well surprise me in the final. And like I said quite a few times, if he does score in the final, that's absolutely brilliant. And I'll be really happy for him and I'll be really happy for the club. But the overall season afterwards, we have to look at it. And I can't see Alcacer looking at it and think, oh, I've played an absolutely amazing season mm-hmm. this year. So, you see, I'm trying to present different kind of scenarios with this because it's not a case of looking at both players and thinking who should start. It's just who, like, even if Backer starts, that might not mean the best experience. It might not mean a guaranteed first goal. And with Alcacer, it's the same thing. You just, you don't know who's going to score out the two of them. So mm-hmm. I've gone off on a tangent, but does that kind of make sense where I'm coming from with that? Yeah, it does. What, and I think the, I think the, um, I think the question, I don't understand what, you know, I don't think I understand what Emery, how, you know, what he does either, except that I think he thinks very carefully about the opponent 
in terms of how he plans matches. That's that's obviously I think that and that's maybe part of the reason for his success in in um, knockout competitions compared to league placings is that you have more time to do that with a you know with a with a Europa League or a, or a Champions League tie where you've got you've ha- you have several weeks to plan right and so I think against Man United I think who he starts is probably going to be dependent more on how he perceives where he perceives their weaknesses to be and how he perceives he wants our attack to set up it's just like I think saying that Ruli is starting in, in goal instead of instead of Asenjo is I think there are two things there. I think number one is well, actually three. Number one is Ruli has been the Europa League goal goalkeeper all year. So in a sense, he's been part. He's been a major part of the team that's gotten to the final, and so you know you're kind of rewarding him for that. Second is I think psychologically, it's you know he didn't have the greatest match against Arsenal in the in the return leg, and I think in some ways naming him as the goalkeeper now is essentially reinforcing his um, Emery's belief and and Ruli's confidence. But the third thing is I think Emery is going to is going to is going with Ruli primarily because he thinks that you know we need better distribution from the back than Asenho can give or or whatever and he's got you know he's making that decision based on how he wants to play the game. And so I think for Paco versus Baca, yeah, it probably, I, I don't see Baca starting because I think Emery is probably going to say um, a lot like um, you guys have, that Baca is going to be like a 20 or 30 minute impact player, not a, I'm going to start him and play him 75 minutes kind of thing. Because when, when he starts, yeah, he may score three goals the way he did against Sevilla, We've also seen seen him start where after about thirty minutes he's sort of an afterthought in the match. Um, worth noting that since um, since a- uh, uh, April the third, uh, since April the third, um, Baca has played more than an hour only once, and that's in the Sevilla game. Mm-hmm. Um, and Paco has played more than an hour in like six times during that time. And he played like 59 minutes one other time. So I, I, I just, if we're trying to read the tea leaves and understand what Emery's thinking, I think his long-term pattern here, it's kind of seems to be just what you're talking about there, Alan, where he expects Baca to be good in spurts, but not, Hey, come and carry the load for, you know, an hour plus in, you know, in a big match. Okay, so so we, so we seem to be thinking Paco and Gerard up front. Um, Robin, you mentioned. Let's talk about midfield. You mentioned Capu um, versus Kokolov. Um, you know, you, you got Parejo, you got Trigueros, um, you got Moy. You, you know. Um, we don't think we have Samu. Um, <laughs> I guess you know there's still slim hope, but we don't we don't expect that. So how do you how do you line us up? Are you putting us in a four four two? Sounds like you are. And if so, who are your four in the middle? Yeah, I think I think the the midfield is probably the easiest to try and picture and imagine what we want to do, isn't it? Really, 
I would say that midfield, I would definitely have Pino on the right where Samu plays a so 4 4 2. Uh, Pareko and Kapue, because as Zach said, Kapue has been absolutely brilliant, like really, really good player. He's just improved over and over. I mean, some of the red, the red cards and yellow cards and stuff, obviously, it's been a bit annoying, but he's just been brilliant and injury focused. I think I am generally quite worried about Abora getting into the squad next season. I know that's just an afterthought. And then on the left, I would play Trigueros. I really would. I think since he's not been playing on that left in the last few games, I think that's had an impact on on that left-hand side and also Gerard. So I don't think Moy should get into the squad. I think Moy would be perfect coming on in the final 30 minutes or so if we're on one up and just providing that sort of more defensive wing. Not when you want in a goal. I think Trigueros has been absolutely incredible. And we were all... We're all sceptical and all doubtful about Trigger's playing on that left wing, but he's he's almost like Gerard in a way. He's so adaptable to wherever you play him. That mm-hmm. I think that's so, and yeah, I think I'm sorry. Just finally, I would say I really want to recognise how brilliant Pino was against Arsenal. Like Samu came off and we were absolutely petrified, and Pino came on and it was absolutely incredible for a 19-year-old to play like that. Just so defensive-minded as well. Bit over physical, bit attacking, sort of defending, but he was so good in that game. Like, for me, he was probably the man of the match, and I know that's a big, big thing to say, but I just thought he was absolutely brilliant in that match. So, um, so I'll throw it back to you two. What, what do you two think in terms of sort of the midfield um, area? I yeah, I think you're probably right. I I don't. I think you have to play um, Parejo, Trigueros. Um, I think they have they have to be in there. I I I think Cocalan played really well against Arsenal. Um so I I I feel like we've gotten the best from him against English sides in the Europa League. So I I, I don't know if Emery is going to would consider starting him instead of instead of Capoue. I, I I don't know. Um but I I think that you're probably right. I mean, the right side is the one where you have the most concern because of uh, the lack of Samu. But yeah, you make a pretty convincing case for for Jeremy. What what do you think, Zach? I, I really, really, really like Jeremy, and I'm all for playing him, and I'm all for starting him in this match. But I don't like him as a right sided player. To me. When he's on the right, he's not nearly as aggressive offensively. He's not nearly as assertive. And I think it's just a confidence factor. I think to me, he looks a lot more comfortable over on the left. Mm. So if you're going to start that set of players, I would just make it a 4-3-3 instead of a 4-4-2 and put Jeremy up as a left winger. Um, and then, you know, let him – and then you've got, you know, then you've got a left-hand side of Pedraza and Jeremy, which is really threatening. Um, and I, and, you know, and I like that, but I just, he, he still does good work defensively on the right side, but he's just not nearly as, um, confident and assertive on the ball. So, so I, I like the player selection. I don't particularly like that formation if it's going to force Jeremy over to the right. Oh, okay. So, so you're, okay. So you're thinking that you're going to have, um, if we did that, you would have Jeremy, um, Paco and Gerard as your front three, and then you would have what Capu in the middle and and uh, how, how you yeah, basically put Trigueros on the left and, and, and Parejo and Trigueros is two eights above them. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. 
And then, and then the back four. I mean, I think it's safe to say Albiol and and Pau. I, I guess I should call him Poe, as, as Emory <laughs> did when he was first you introduced. Trick. I, I noticed that you skipped trick. What, what do you think for midfield? <laughs> oh. Um, cool. We didn't hear from you. So we oh, I, I think, yeah. <laughs> I think um, well, if we play a 4-4-2, I think we probably do, as um, you suggested, Robin, except I'm thinking maybe Coquelin will start instead of Capu. I don't, I don't know that. That's, that's the one question I have. If um, the 4-3-3 that, that Zach mentioned, I really like, though. Um, and I think you some compelling arguments for it. Again, I think it. I think it'll kind of depend on how Emery thinks he wants he wants to to play this. Um, so that would be my my take. I think I'm I'm okay with either one of you. And it's not that I don't like Kapu. I I do a great deal. I just think um, it's a, another one of those things where I'm just wondering if Emery is going to want to go with Coquelin because he's he's played against Man United before, right? He's um, more than than Kapu has. Um, I think. I think he might he might surprise us there. That's the only thing. Um, yeah, no, as I said, like I, I, I think what what you do say with four through two, I think I could see Emery doing that. I, I really can. Like I certainly can't argue with it, and I also agree with with Zach that in terms of Jeremy Pino on the right, he's not quite as effective on the left. I think in the early stages we saw him on the left and he was, exactly as you say, he was more assertive, he was more confident on that left side. I think the only reason I possibly play him on the right is just because Samu is out really and I can't, I mean, Pena would be pretty good on that but I can't see Emery playing that. But yeah, um, yeah. yeah, just just sort of come back on that because I think it's, it's interesting, isn't it? I, we can't predict it but I think Emery's got a lot of options but slightly more slightly more limited than what he wants obviously about injuries but yeah so I suppose back to the back to the defence so tell you what I'll, I'll start it off um, who, who would you go for in defence uh, Alan what what would you say I think you, I think you got to have Pedraza um, and um, Albiol and Pau and then I guess the question is what do you do in, at the right back position um, if Foyth were available I think he would definitely start there I think the odds of him being available, um, he may be available for the match, but he's not going to he's not going to start. I can't imagine he's he he I guess trained about 15, 20 minutes with the team yesterday. Um, so I'm thinking, oh boy, do you? This is a tough one for me. I for whatever reason, I don't sense that Ruben Pena is the guy that that um, that uh, Emery seems to relish back there. So, but I'm worried about playing Mario back there. I guess I would expect to go with Mario, though. I guess that's who I expect to see at right back. Zach, what do you reckon? Well, I think the best that Mario has looked all year is when he's when he was sharing the right side with Gerard in a four three three. I mean, he had especially early in the season. He had a couple of performances where he was just downright dominant. Were there on the right because he was making overlapping runs with Gerard, and Gerard was attracting so much attention that it gave Mario the space to do things. Plus, Gerard works hard defensively, so it gives him a little bit of extra cover. Um, and so, to me, um, to me, I think that's another reason to go with that. Um, like Alan said, if Foyth if Foyth's healthy, I feel so much more comfortable with Foyth back there because he's so good defensively. Um, but I, I really think. That, 
you know, Ruben Pena, I really liked Ruben Pena in, in Kaleja's system. Um, but in the positional play based possession based system that Embry runs, I just don't think Pena's really found a home or any kind of comfort there all season. I just would not want him in this match. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, um, it's going to be a tough one, isn't it? I suppose that's probably the biggest headache for Emery at all is, is that right back position. I think de- definitely the, the other three are complete. Pedraza, definitely, Albiol, definitely, and Pau, obviously. Um, right back, yeah, it's, it's a tricky one. I suppose it does depend on how we're, how we're setting up, if it's 4-4-2 or 4-4-3. Um, I mean, what I would say is that if he does go with Pino on that right wing, I do feel more comfortable with Jared on the pitch than, I, than it was when it was, sorry, not Jared, Mario. So when it's Mario Pino, I feel better than when it's Mario Samu because mm-hmm. they just, that, the sort of defensive line's pretty good. I mean, if we wanted to go all out defensive, you would pay you play Pena on the right wing and Mario the right back, and then absolutely nothing will probably get past that that right wing. I agree. I think I think Pena's kind of got the same problem that Estupinian has in that he's not playing the right back in the right way. He's not doing those beautiful diagonal through balls, you know, the ones where he sort of charges through the through the sort of middle of the pitch in, as opposed to along the wings. I'm going to throw another name at you though, because we didn't really discuss it, but he did have a good game. The last game, and I know it's a very risky subject to mention, but Funes Mori had a really good game at right back in the last match, and he was doing more of those diagonal runs that Juan Foyce has been doing, that even Pedraza has been doing, and I'd also mention that Alberto Moreno has actually been doing a bit more of these sort of diagonal runs across through the box that just seems to completely catch everyone off guard. So, how would you two feel about playing Funes Mori? And I can't believe I'm saying this at right back against um, Man United in the Europa League final. Yeah, you know, I actually, I actually thought you about that. You just said that out loud, and that didn't answer your own question. I don't know what to do for you. Because, like, <laughs> just, I, <didn't> <laughs> I was stuck when I was saying it. It's that traumatic to even imagine. And if we <laughs> play and I first him in the Europa League final, then I'm sorry in advance. <laughs> well, no. I, I actually had thought about that um, because you're right. He, he did. He, I just don't. I was also thinking about doing something like, um, you know, playing Estepinian and flipping Pedraza to the right or something. But I think, you know, I, I think Emery is, this is not going to be, I don't think, the time for him to do something particularly new. I'm just wondering if he, if he, views, if he views the back four as, I want to put out the strongest um, physical back four that I can, that would have been Foyth and Pedraza on the on the wings. So if he doesn't have Foyth, is and and what he wants is that physicality, then I that's where Mario worries me, and I don't think Pena is the answer either. So Funes Mori, eh, it's a big it's a big ask. I could see I could see him maybe as I say finding a way to put Estepinion in there instead. But I think the, I think that's the, the reason for your question is Finis Mori gives us height and um, that we lose with Mario, and he gives us more physicality. And so I could see Emery trying that. It wouldn't, I wouldn't be absolutely staggered, I guess. I, it would certainly catch Man United off guard, though, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it would catch most of our fan base off guard. But, yeah, I mean, I think 
I, I mean, several people commented that that Funes played much better, and it's and partly again, it's 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 a different. He's been given a different role to play from you know from right back and and how he you know moves the ball around and stuff like that. So yeah, I could see I could see it. It's um, not out of the realm of possibility. I. I mean, I've always liked Mario, you know, personally, um, you know, he going back to our promotion squad, you know, he was a big part of that and, and everything, but I'm not totally convinced by him as a big game player against Man United, I guess. I would, f- I feel better though, if um, in a 4-3-3 with him, I'm not sure in the 4-4-2, I'm quite as comfortable. So, I mean, I think... Again, I think this is the one where if there's any way that Foyth could be ready for the match, then that would be the obvious solution. I, I would say though that I would say though that if Foyth's going to play, if Foyth's going to start the United match, I want to at least see him play some minutes off the bench in the Real Madrid match. I don't want him coming cold into the United yeah League yeah. I don't. I don't think he would play. I don't think he would start in the final. This is the, I, unfortunately, unless Emery's idea is I'm going to start him. Uh, you know, I'll. I'll. Um, you know, hopefully he's okay and can give me 45, 60 minutes. I can't see him um, doing a whole lot. On the other hand, he's not exactly the kind of player I would say. Yeah, I'm going to bring him off the bench either, unless. You, your thought is that you're going to try to, to, you know, get a lead and then bring him in for the last half hour um, as a defensive sub. I guess kind of depends on how you want to play the game. But I agree with you. I think he'd have to get some time against Real Madrid, and I just think that's probably too soon, unless you know the club isn't saying much about any of this. But that's kind of if if he's only just started training with the team. Um, Again, I think it, I think asking him to get minutes on Saturday is probably a big ask. Yeah, I, I completely agree. It's um, it's going to be a, it's going to be interesting. I'll be interested, Zach. What's your thoughts on uh, Funes Mori starting right back in the Europa League? <laughs> he, he's still picking himself up the floor. <laughs> you know, I just so it, I I want to I want to both be fair and also keep perspective about his performance against Sevilla, okay? Because Sevilla legitimately is, is the best team we've beat all year. They're, they're a lot better than Arsenal are. Um, and, but this is also a Sevilla team that, like, two weeks ago thought they were going to be in a title race, and then they slipped up, and then they, to me, they were kind of mentally checked out when they played us. Um, and so playing well against a Sevilla team that no longer cares isn't the same thing as like stepping in on like the most high intensity match the club's ever seen. But what I think that playing Finis Mori as a right back does for him as a player is it means that his natural tendency to take risks has a much higher chance of helping the team and a much lower chance of hurting the team than it does when he's at center back. And so I, I, I think that it was a good move. by, And I think Emery's done this with a lot of players this year where he's tweaked things and he's taught players things that have made them better players, especially within that system. Um, but it just, it's such a gigantic 
gigantic leap to go from, hey, he looked pretty good against Sevilla, so here's our biggest match ever. Go do the thing. You know, I'd far rather go with, you know, the the longtime club servant that, um, you know, Mar- very few players are going to have their heart in this game as as much as Mario Gaspar does, and and I and I believe that that sort of intensity and passion can can has the potential to overcome deficiencies that he might normally have have as a player. So I trust him for it. That's, that's yeah, a fair it's point. point, isn't it? So. I suppose we we probably should move on to well we talked a bit about the goalkeepers haven't we so um, yeah should we should we talk on the goal I mean I haven't really said too much but I, I I completely understand why Emery said this in the press recently that he's going to go with Ruli because there'll be lots of kind of thoughts buzzing around lots of social media I can imagine Ruli's big on social media he just looks the type um, and I can imagine that he's reading all these comments thinking oh should I start and. Emery, by doing this now, has made it quite clear that he is yeah. probably going to start. I feel a hell of a lot more comfortable with Asenko in goal, to be honest with you, and I think it's a mistake to start Ruli in the final. I know it's harsh to say, but at the end of it all, you need your best players in the Europa League final. I don't think there's anything. If Ruli cares that much about the team, he would probably own up to that and say it. Um, so, again, that sounds a bit harsh, but what are your thoughts on the general goalkeeping situation? And I don't want to discredit Ruli from what he's done in Europa League because he has been great in most of the, most of the matches that I've seen anyway. So, um, that is a bit disrespectful, but at the same time, I think Asenko should start myself. What do you two think? Uh, I'm, I actually think that, again, it, it's a bit like the Baca thing. We're... Asenho, for me, had, over, if, over the course of the season, has not been anywhere near as sharp as he was several years ago. And I think earlier in the season there were some statistics that bore that out. I don't know if you know if um, what they look like now, but you know, I I do think that I'm not I'm not saying that that really is a better goalkeeper. I just don't see the two as being that different. Frankly, overall, I think um, so. I I think probably it comes down to, as I said, I think I think um, Emery feels loyalty to Ruli, but I think also, and, and that's a great thing to say. But I think at the end of the day, he's making the decision because he thinks Ruli is going to be the most effective of the two against Man United, and that's you know that's Emery's take on it. I don't. You know, and I think that's based less on shot stopping than it is what I need you to do to build our play from the back or what I need you to do, um, you know, in addition to, to keeping the ball out of the net. That's my take on it. To me, it just... To me, and, and I'd have to get, dig into the numbers to bear this out, but I, I feel like a Sinho is more likely... If he get if he if he looks out from a goal kick or or from a, a ball he's taking possession of and he doesn't see any good options short, he's just going to chuck it deep, regardless of whether regardless of whether Emory wants him playing it short or not. If he doesn't see any good options, he's going to get the flying heck away from his goal. And, and really, I feel like several times in the Europa League this season has like tried to force a pass short even when there was absolutely no sense whatsoever in forcing a pass short. And, you know, if you do that against Manchester United, they're going to score on you. I mean, it just, 
there, I, I don't know. I, I don't, and it might, and like you said, like in some ways, when you look at the whole season, the, the qualitative difference between the two keepers probably isn't that different. And I really do like Rui as a guy. I mean, I think the red card he took a couple matches ago off the bench was a, hey, I'm invested in, the, in defending my teammates, even if I'm not the guy out on the pitch. And I love that. But I just, I don't know, man. It, he was scaring me to death in the Arsenal match, it, it, especially that second leg. I just scaring me to death several times that match. And it just, every time I think of him against Manchester United and, and some of those savvy, experienced players they have in their attack, especially, I just, I, I feel like it's a recipe for that disaster. Fair enough. Okay. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess we'll just have to see how it plays out. I see what you're, I, I see, you know, I, I totally get where you're coming from. Um, and I think it probably depends a lot on, uh, as I say, I think how, how Emery thinks we're going to, we're going to set up how, how all this stuff is going to work. Um, I don't know if we want to offer any predictions for the final or not. I, I, I almost don't because I really want to enjoy just being there. And if we, you know, win, lose, obviously we can't draw, um, whatever. I I noticed the odds on 538.com, which we kind of have been looking at for the Europa League. I think when the, when we first made it to the final, it was around slightly over 60-40 in, in favor of Man United. Right now it is 60-40. And I guess... Um, I guess that, uh, as as um, Sid and I said, it that's probably not wrong. On the other hand, this is one match, so I don't know. Anybody want to tell me what what they think will happen, or should we just not bother? <laughs> First off, I was like, I just like to ask: Are we getting sponsored by the betting company you just said? Because I want my cut of money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're they're not a betting company. They're they they're. Uh, they're uh, they're a statistical website, but don't worry about it. I, I, well, I, I'll send you. I'll send you the same <laughs> large cut of nothing. <laughs> Free will and love. By the way, I had to ask Alan, and we haven't mentioned this at all. But after your VRL uh, International Fan of the Year article, <laughs> I've just asked, what's a sage? Because I, I saw your tweet where you were like, oh, I want to be known as as the sage of VRL. I thought I had to Google this because I thought a sage was a herb garden. I was like, "Why are you comparing yourself to some kind of herb?" Oh, garden? oh, oh! I no, I was, I was, I was joking about being the old sage as opposed to the old man or something. Uh, well, um, you know, the, the sage <laughs> is the sage is the person you go to for wisdom. You know, it's, right. it's like it's like the it's like the uh, hermit on the top of the hill that you you hike up to, and that's the old that's the old sage. I, I actually um, there. Um, uh, I was joking about that because I had forgotten that um, that the uh, Thomas had asked me for information about that, and I had and he had been telling me, you know, when some of the other people had come up, and I I had frankly forgotten about that they were still doing it, so I was pretty amused to see it, and uh, it was interesting that uh, we got a lot of discussion going um, about the car license plate and the, the Groget license plate, because I guess it's true in, in most European countries, you can't get personalized plates. So, you know, it's another American, it's another American thing. 
I did know what a sage was, but I just wanted to kind of gear you up for your article as a bit of kind of advertising. Oh, I there. see. Yes, well, <laughs> it was it was it was very nice and very embarrassing um, because there are plenty of people in in the U.S. and elsewhere internationally who have been following Virial um, longer than I have. But I, it was a nice thing to see on on the site, so I, I, I did get it. I did enjoy it. Um, although I will say the the photograph they used of me. Um, I've actually lost weight during the whole COVID thing. And so, especially being in all the winter clothes, I was looking at me thinking I was sort of a balloon, but that's okay. <laughs> well, I, I, th- I don't think, I don't think anything related to Virial has ever looked as, as big and intimidating as you did in that photo. So you, you, you should be proud of yourself. That was awesome. I, 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 I miss that. D- 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 intimidating. Yes, absolutely. Striking fear in the hearts of our foes. Oh, absolutely. Okay. Well, that's that's right. An intimidating sage. That's uh, um, <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, somehow, I don't think Edinson Cavani and Man United are going to be too intimidated by that. But whatever. <laughs> they should be. They, they should be. They should be. Well, if we don't. Win, we'll set the sage on you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think it's it's genuinely one of those things where I will say from my point of view, I hope the final doesn't come down to extra time and penalties. Um, I I don't know that I <laughs> I don't know that I really um, enjoy penalty shootouts, even if you win them. Um, but I, you know, I just think I. We could, we could win it. We could lose it. It's one match. Um, you know, it's. I honestly have no. I have no idea. I, I don't really have a prediction, other than I think both teams will score, and that's about all I can say. Yeah, I I completely agree. And the the reason when you mentioned penalty shootout, and I, if we are going down to penalty shootout. On pure thoughts alone, then Alcacer definitely has to start because last time I saw Carlos Bakker in a penalty shootout, he knocked Colombia out of the World Cup when he failed to score against England in a penalty shootout. So just in the sort of theme of spiritualness, I yes, I agree. But um, I digress. I would say that uh, I'm generally worried, but I don't want to predict a score at all either. Um, but I agree with you that I think we will, both sides will score at least one goal. Mm-hmm. That. Um, it's kind of funny. It's kind of funny you said that, Robin, because I was kind of thinking like, if we're going to go to a penalty shootout, I, I want Baca in for the penalty shootout because the, I had this like seared image in my brain of like Paco earlier this season. I don't remember who we were playing, insisting on taking a penalty that like we like really needed, and then he like blows it at the end of the game, and it's Renata. like, um, yeah. And, and so I, I was like, well, if we come try to a penalty shootout. I want the guy who's already got a couple winners' medals in this thing, and hopefully, we'll have his head screwed on straight uh, in in the shootout at the end. But um, I don't know. I, I think that in in a match like this, I you know there are we have so many guys that they haven't necessarily been on this stage, but they're really experienced players. Um, and and I, I really think that that plays to our advantage overall. Um, but I, I think this is going to be one where kind of like he did against Sevilla, Emery's going to have to like scrap his usual game plan and say, okay, 
let's sit back, let's absorb some pressure, and let's try to hit them on the counter because United's not very good in the back, but they are very, very good going forward. And if we get caught, you know, if we get caught mm-hmm. um, out of possession at the wrong place, I mean, we're going to be in trouble in a hurry. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, my my brain tells me, like y'all said, that the um, the people saying that it's 60-40 United, my brain tells me that's probably about accurate. Um, but 60-40 in a soccer match is, is you know, still anybody's game. So, I you know, I, I'm optimistic still. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think for me the big thing, and this is, you know, going back to um, – Liverpool years, you know, years, five years ago is, and I think we did, you know, against Arsenal, the fact that we, you know, beat Arsenal to get to the final is great. I just hope we play well enough that we get the respect we deserve, frankly, because um, I think we, I think we really, this team has, it, you know, in the middle of the pandemic and everything else, you know, this team has has put on more travel miles than anybody else in the Europa League by far. Um, making it to the final is a massive achievement. Um, making it to the final, um, Emery in his first year with the club, um, and, a, and a roster that he, you know, inherit had some impact in, but doubtless will will have other things he wants to do during the summer. It's a tremendous achievement, and I just hope that people. Um, you know, respect that regardless of whether we win, lose, what, you know, how the match goes. Um, I, I just want people to respect what we've done because it's like the, um, uh, Maddie and, and Sid and, and Robbie and I were saying, you know, it's, it's so great to see, um, the team get to this point for the first time ever. And it kind of, you know, it, it is a special team and it is a special way that we work. And I guess in that vein, we probably should note that I hope senior Reich is going to be able to, to be there. Um, I haven't heard anything else about, you know, he's came down with a mild case of COVID-19. So he may not be able to travel for the final, which would be very sad if he can't. Yeah, that definitely, especially devastating for him, but you know, like, uh, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's brought an end to what I was going to say. It was kind of quite. I was trying to think of something really positive to sort of end the podcast on, but yeah, it's just I I can completely say I just want. I think whatever happens, we will be recognised for the fact we get in the final, and I don't think anyone's ever going to forget this year. Just even just because it's like a sort of COVID year, you know, um, the fact that we had crowds in the last the severe match was incredible. I mm-hmm. think it was severe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm the same. I just. What I really want and hope is that we just play our heart and we have a really good game. So that's yeah. all I want. If, yeah. if we concede or it goes downhill, we have got to show absolutely everything to get back in that game. And I want to see that energy because I think that has been lacking in some games where we've just gone down and just not done anything. Or we've got one nil up, conceded, and then conceded and conceded. So I just want to see shitloads of energy. Sorry to say it. But, <laughs> that's fine. Um, yep. And them to actually just really play the hearts out and I have no doubt that any of them won't but that's what I want to see and I'll be happy even if we lose I want to see some some bloody effort <laughs> right Le- that- leave leave your leave everything on the pitch yeah yeah Zach any last um, thoughts I'll leave you I'll leave you with one other um statistic because that's kind of what I do um <laughs> yeah. 
In the last two seasons, Villarreal has drawn 31 penalties in all competitions, which I believe is the most of any Spanish team, interestingly enough. Um, Manchester United has drawn in the last two seasons in all competitions 39 penalties, um, which is definitely the most of any English team. So uh, there's a pretty good chance that even if we don't make it to a penalty shootout, um, we, we do have some, some keepers staring down somebody from the penalty spot in this one, um, which, you know, as far as I'm concerned, I don't know of any, many penalty takers any better than Gerard Moreno, so I'm comfortable with that. But, uh, but like, like you guys said, hoping for a good match. All right. Well, that, sound, that sounds good. Um, I'm going to wrap it up and, um, and just say, yeah, everybody enjoy the match. Um, I'm sure we'll have plenty to say after it and everything, but I think regardless, it's going to be um, a cap to a, to a season that none of us are ever going to forget. And so, um, you know, put out your Virial flags, put on your Virial shirts, Turn on the match. Have fun. End of on Virial. <laughs>